Father, we do thank you that you have given us both the day, the first day to start the week. We, we bring to you what we have done amiss and what we have failed to do, and we leave it in your hands. And we come on this first day prepared to receive your word of grace and to be strengthened so that this coming week we may be more like Christ. Even in this Sunday school period, would you guard and guide our hearts and minds in Christ? In his name we pray. Amen. So, young people, you all can head out, and not so young people, if you would turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. What we've been doing is going over Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. And it's the first two-thirds of his book are really an opening up or his thoughts on the Sermon on the Mount. And in the last quarter of the book, it comes to his application of it. And the reason that I chose Bonhoeffer and chose to go through this is twofold, two reasons for this. One is Bonhoeffer has a perspective that is heavily colored by his own time and place. And so he speaks to the issue of a Christian's responsibility in the world from a completely different language, a completely different theology, a completely different historic context. And I think in that we can find some helpful insights. The other reason is that Bonhoeffer has enjoyed a great resurgence in the evangelical world in the last 10, 15 years. And Eric Metaxas is one of his uh, great publicists. And Metaxas's biography of Bonhoeffer is excellent, but there's a danger that we think Bonhoeffer is another evangelical Christian. And so, in going through the book, I want to both point out what there is to glean and benefit, as well as some of the significant errors. And so we're going to hit one of the significant errors this morning, but before we do, what we can benefit from. So could someone read for me Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 40 to So, Jesus Christ is sending forth the messengers. That's how Matthew chapter 10 opens. He's commissioning the twelve, he sends them out, and we come now to his final word to these messengers. And his final word is union with Christ. And this is... one of the most glorious truths of the Christian faith. Paul says of our union with Christ that we are risen together with Him and seated with Him in heavenly places. Our union with Christ is not just our 
daily reality, our, our motivating reality for holiness, for pursuing the mind of Christ. Our union with Christ causes us to pursue the mind of Christ, but it also completely affects our witness in his name. We do our action united to Christ. And, and specifically in this issue of the ambassador being sent forth. Whoever receives you, receives me. Even if you give a cup of cold water to someone who is the most humble of these, but if you do it in my name, you're giving that cup of cold water to me. The union with Christ is both the disciple... It's both the disciple and Jesus Christ embodied in ministry. This is, uh, again, Paul develops this theme when he speaks of the church being members of one body, Christ Jesus himself being the head. Uh, The the body fit together, each part doing... So, So Paul develops this theme that is the disciple, the ambassador's comfort. In Matthew 10, 40 to 42, this theme of union with Christ and, and develops that later in his epistles into a more clear understanding of, of the very truth that Jesus is saying here to his ambassadors. If you go in my name, I am going. If they reject you, they are rejecting me. And, and so this, this doctrine of union with Christ is both a comfort to us, and the cause of our obedience. It's both comfort and cause. Because if we are sitting around and not engaged in any way at all, what are we saying that Jesus Christ is? That was a logical syllogism. We're saying Jesus Christ is sitting around not doing anything at all. (laughs) And if we are saying that Jesus Christ is risen, he is ascended, he is reigning, he is ruling and conquering all his enemies, and he's delivering up the kingdom unto his Father, then that means that even in our small ways, even in our small ways, and this is where we're going to get to what I said was a criticism of Bonhoeffer. At this point, with with this doctrine of union with Christ developed, he closes his treatment of the Sermon on the Mount, and he moves into application. And so section four is sort of the what do we do now thing. And so, just by way of broad recap, he he opens his first part of the book with his call to grace and discipleship. He says, cheap grace is the enemy of the church. Costly grace is the only grace there is. Grace is so costly that it cost Jesus Christ his very life. And cheap grace is an enemy. Grace has to cost you. So, section two, he goes into the Sermon on the Mount. 
And he develops this theme both in chapters 5 and 6 of this righteousness that is lived before the world. And then in chapter 7, this righteousness that is hidden from our own selves. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. What, what the righteous life of Christ looks like. And then he moves on in chapter 10 to then go uh, and, and commission his disciples. And we noted that Bonhoeffer jumped over a lot of the attesting signs <laughs> in the middle there of the Sermon on the Mount. That tells us something. But at any rate, we go on with the teaching, we go on with the Sermon on the Mount, and, and we get to the commissioning of the disciples. And, and again, uh, just a point that I want us to always keep in the forefront is in that passage at the end of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looks at Israel at their darkest moment, politically and spiritually. The good shepherd is there, and all the other shepherds want to kill him. His covenant people are under demon possession, leprosy, blindness, illness throughout the land. Rome is, has got them under its boot. Jesus comes at the darkest hour, socially, religiously, culturally, in their history, and he says, the field is white unto harvest. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest send laborers out into the harvest field. He sees the darkness, and he says, I am the light. And the light has come to conquer the darkness. And that's exactly the means and the, the, the mindset in which he sends out the disciples there in chapter 10. And so now we come to this promise that our going out, our ministry is accomplished in union with Christ. And so we get to the first wisdom question, which is, what do we do? Jesus' words to the disciples, follow me, lead to immediate instruction. So how are you and I to know what this command, follow me, looks like in action? And Bonhoeffer says, you know, you may look at it and say, wow, the disciples were lucky, because at least Jesus told them precisely what to do to follow him. And Bonhoeffer says, no, they had to have even more faith than you and I have. <laughs> because to him, them, he was a rabbi and a miracle worker. They did not understand that he was the Son of God. That is a developing revelation, even coming after the resurrection, when they truly see that he is the Son of God. And so the disciples have to have just as much faith as you and I do. But still, who is there, and this is a quote from Bonhoeffer, who is there to tell me and others, for that matter, that we are not acting on our own initiative and following our own wild fancies? Who's the arbiter? Who's the judge? Who's to say <laughs> what following Jesus Christ looks like? And Bonhoeffer says, that's the wrong question to ask. That's the question we all ask, yes. But he says, that's completely the wrong question to ask. 
The disciples knew what the will of God was through the word of God. And so Bonhoeffer says to ask this question, Let me find my quote here. To ask this question is to retreat from the presence of the living Christ. And Bonhoeffer is articulating something that has always fascinated me personally with neo-Orthodox writers. Recognizing their very fatal flaws, they do recognize that our Christian faith is one that is lived only in union with Christ. There is an experiential connection to the Word, to Jesus Christ. All the language of a personal relationship with Jesus does actually mean something. <laughs> and all the language, you know, we, we, it, we throw it around so often that sometimes maybe it's lost some of its, its, its punch. Uh, but but there is an experiential connection, and and this is this is not unique to neo orthodox guys. The Puritans were the high point uh, of experimental Calvinism. Uh, so so the Puritan movement is is very strong in this area, and the neo orthodox guys saw themselves as following in the train of John Calvin and the reformers. But here's where I think there's profound truth and profound error. Because to say you must live and make these wisdom decisions in union with Christ then leads to the next question is, so where do we encounter the Word? Where do we encounter the Word of Christ? This this Word that says, follow me, we encounter it, Jesus Christ is not dead, but alive and speaking to us through the testimony of the scriptures. He comes to us today and is present in bodily form, meaning the Lord's Supper, and in his word. So Bonhoeffer is giving a fairly plain vanilla view of the means of grace. How does God communicate with us? What are the means? by which this grace of God is conveyed to the child of God. And the plain vanilla Reformed position has always been word and sacrament. Our arguments have been over what is the sacrament. Uh, but, but just generically speaking... <laughs> 
the, the word and sacrament are the means by which God speaks to us. Now, let me read that quote again. Let's see how many of you catch his fatal flaw. Jesus Christ is not dead, but alive and speaking to us through the testimony of the Scriptures. He comes to us today and is present in bodily form and in his word. Between... He's making a distinction between the word and the testimony of the Scriptures. Testimony of the Scriptures. So here's so I'm pointing out where Bonhoeffer and Neo Orthodoxy is is this is the danger. This is the this is the poison that, that is inside that you have to be aware of. When Bonhoeffer says we must listen to the word of Jesus, that word of Jesus may come through that light bulb. That word of Jesus may come through me seeing a black cat cross my path. Jesus speaks in his spirit and in an encounter with me. This book that we call the Bible is nothing but the testimony of men who encountered God. So it's not really the word of God, Bonhoeffer would say. It's not really the word of God. The word of God may come to me through the testimony of the word, but this is not the word, is what Bonhoeffer would say. And that is utter heresy. That is anathema. That is complete anathema. I'm bringing that up. Yes, don't, don't hear me endorsing that. By any stretch. <laughs> All scripture is God-breathed and is inspired, <laughs> is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man and woman of God may be thoroughly finished, equipped unto every good work. <laughs> but this is where this gets tricky and dangerous. Because when we start saying, okay, how do I know Jesus is speaking to me? We kind of run into the same error that our other brothers and sisters run into who are looking for visions from Jesus. Who are looking for, I was in the shed, literally. literally uh, how much time do I have? I got a couple. I think my pocket watch is slow, which is always a... Okay. <laughs> i got to remember the story. Oh, yes. So when we arrived in Uganda as missionaries, we were sent by the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I had seminary training. We went through you know, preparation, etc. You would not believe. Maybe you would. But you... <laughs> it, there are an awful lot of people who show up in Africa with a vision from Jesus and literally get off the airplane and go, what do I do now? And one of the stories was this couple that 
he was outside working in his pickup truck underneath, and his wife ran out with a towel wrapped around her, her hair sopping wet, and said, Jesus appeared to me, we're to go to Uganda as missionaries, and he said, okay. That stuff happens all the time. <laughs> and we saw a lot of it. And we've got horror stories <laughs> of people who are looking for this experience with God and they're not, they're not grounded in the Word of God. And when Bonhoeffer says we must hear the Word of God, I completely agree. But when you ask Bonhoeffer, what is the Word of God, I completely disagree. <laughs> so, so that's an important thing to remember. And I, I, I said that because I, I opened the whole thing this morning with Bonhoeffer's an influential figure. And he says a lot of really, really good things. And he has been in many Christian circles, thoughtful Christian circles, people see him kind of as an evangelical Christian. And the fact is, he's not. He is not an evangelical Christian. Uh, but these are, you know, so, so in, in seeking what is good and what's profitable from him, I want to also note that there are some significant flaws. But Bonhoeffer does say, what is good in this is that we encounter the living Christ in word and sacrament. That's, that's the good that I want to leave you with on this. We encounter the risen Christ. We encounter the word of Christ. So, so let me give a practical example of how this looks, at least in my mind. When I was in seminary, there were great debates over application in preaching. How should we apply our sermons? And I was caught up in those debates, and I tried to understand and tried to figure things out, tried to walk the balance, and sometimes I'm over this way, sometimes I'm over that way. But I've now been in ministry for 20 years. And one of the things that I've learned in ministry as a pastor and as a preacher is if I can paint for you the beauty of my Savior's face as he looks down on me in compassion and forgiveness, as he looks down with those bloodied hands, and says, I paid for you. As he looks down on me in love and says, you're my little sheep who went astray, and I left all to follow after and bring you home. As he went after me and loved me and has cared for me and has guided me all the days of my life, if I can just show you how lovely and beautiful and pure and perfect he is, I don't have to worry about what you do. That's what union with Christ means. 
if I can show you the beauty of his face, if I can show you his mercy and his holiness and his love and his grace and the good shepherd and the the great physician and the one who heals and the one who cares and all those things, your application of that is going to look different from my application of that. But as you come to the word and the sacrament, as you come to the gospel heard and the gospel tasted, you do encounter the word of Christ. You do encounter that word. You encounter it in his word, the scriptures. And you encounter it through the preaching, the faithful preaching of his word. To the degree that it's unfaithful and anything that man is involved with is going to have that level of leprosy in it. (laughs) But to the degree that it is the faithful preaching of his word, you encounter his word. And and that's what Bonhoeffer is drawing us to. And, And I think it brings a lot of comfort in terms of not only... Should I eat? Should I drink? Should I do this? Should I do that? Is this person going to think this way of me for watching this show? Do I need to have this censor? What, what do I, specifically, do I need to tell you that you should? Da, 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 da. Uh, the last point that I would make is when I've ever I've had someone tell me, you just preach way too much grace. You really need to be more clear and more application and, you know, you just, I need more application. I've always thought, and, and next time, fair warning if anybody's in there going to say that, next time I will say this. Are you wanting more application to your heart or to someone else? Because <laughs> if you want more application to your heart, I'll give it. <laughs> I got plenty more application. <laughs> But if you're worried about whether or not I'm straightening out this person over here and telling that person over there, (laughs) union with Christ, union with Christ is what is the fruit uh, of, of our very lives. So with that, let's close in prayer and go into our time of fellowship. Father, we do thank you that even in these flawed and imperfect men, even Here we see phrased in different and unique ways your very truth shining through. Uh, Would you help us to love that gospel light and to live in that light? In Christ's name, amen.